mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Welcome back, guys. This is Marriage and Martinis, and I'm Adam and Danielle. It's <laughs> good. Financial genius. <laughs> We're doing Danielle. a topic about Danielle's favorite topic. She chose this. We're doing an episode about finance. So we thought it would be a really good idea to have somebody on who knows what they're talking about, which would probably make the show a lot better than just you and I talking about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to say that. For the first time in 20 years of our relationship, I am, I think I never felt before like I really deserve to have a say in the finances. I think that I always felt like because I was a stay-at-home mom that it just for some reason I wasn't, I, I hadn't earned the, you know, the uh, position to have a say in our finances, which is crazy that looking is back on it. crazy. Uh, all right, you say that now. But no, I don't think just saying uh, I don't deserve it, so I don't understand it, so I'm not part of it. I mean, you yeah. think that's an okay thing? Yeah, to... but I also don't think you encouraged me ever. Okay. To be, yeah, I think it was a mutual uh, issue. Like we both screwed up royally. It was royally. a mutual dysfunction. Totally. Both of us. Totally. Yes. Yes. Glad you said that. Um, and I think that. I'm at a point now where we've done a shit job saving for college, uh, which is an issue that we get into here, and we'll get into a lot more in the next finance episode. Uh, we've had a lot of financial stuff lately that has just arisen, and it's time, and I hope that other stay-at-home parents or part-time working parents will say with me all you know now, going forward, that's it. We're involved. We're getting involved. We deserve to be involved. It's as much our right as it is for the quote-unquote main breadwinner, and that's it. We're done. Good. Or I shouldn't say we're done. We're just getting started. Damn right. Yes. And by the way, this is not just for if you're a stay-at-home spouse. And oh, of course not. This is for everybody. Absolutely, These, but... This is life lessons that you're not taught in school. But I was really nervous before we did this episode because I was like, I'm not going to understand anything. And that did not end up being the case. Right. So, um, and I hope by the next episode, we have so many more questions to go over. I hope I'll understand it even more. I think you will. I think I will too. And I'm trying and I'm researching. <laughs> I actually am. What are you laughing Nothing. at? I would just love to see this. <laughs> I would love Maybe to watch you, love to you see research it. the finance stuff and understand Go it. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Watch me. I will. I would think it'd be a turn on. I think it's kind of sexy. <laughs> uh, two things, two orders of business, a business, before we get started in the episode. Number one, I just want people to make sure 
that you are that you have the subscribe button hit wherever you are listening to our podcast or actually any podcast you listen to because it means a lot. It, it helps us a lot if you have the subscribe button hit. Please, please, please make sure that button is hit. Even if you don't plan on listening to every episode, don't listen to every episode, but it really does help. Secondly, email. Please sign up for our emails. I'm working so hard. We have a lot of giveaways and fun stuff coming up, and it's a really great way to keep updated on what's going on. Uh, so please, please, please go to marriageandmartinis.com. Scroll down. Sign up for email, super easy, and I try to keep them fun, and I promise I will not bombard you with them. It's just to keep you updated, and we have really a lot of great, exciting giveaways that I'm really, I'm kind of psyched about. Yeah, I, we should also mention it's not just like stupid marriage or martinis crap giveaways that nobody's going to no, want. No, no, this is <laughs> this good is stuff. Real stuff. This is real stuff, and in time for Mother's and Father's Day, too. Yeah, so this yeah. is like legit product that we're giving away. Yes. Yes, it is not just Marriage and Martini's coffee <laughs> mugs. Okay, uh, yeah. I'm done. You're done. Yes. Thank yeah, you. Um, yeah. Thank you for being part of this episode, Danielle. I appreciate your appearance on the finance episode. Well, I had to like fight to get a word <laughs> in. You had the microphone in front of you. Oh, yeah. By the way, um, I don't like saying, here's the episode, but this is what was not good about it. I don't like doing that. But <laughs> I was a little giddy in this episode, and I was really excited and it, I came off a little too enthusiastic mm-hmm. uh, because I love talking this stuff and I never get to do that. So I, I was if you start doing it as much this. as you love talking about it, we'll and be in a better position. I had an awful cold. So I sounded like crap for that too. So I had two little caveats there. I'll shut up about that caveats, stuff now. Caveats, damn. What? I'm researching finance. You must be researching in the English. Oh, I do that behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> I know some words. Um, okay, guys, so enjoy this episode. This guy, Joel, is really cool. I think you guys are going to like him a lot. We're going to have him or, or and or his podcast partner, Matt, back with him. I hope he comes on next time. All right, we say all that coming up. Okay, good. So this <laughs> has been split up, so here's the first part. Enjoy it. All right, Joel, thanks so much for coming on our show. I'm really excited to have you here. I mean, I'm so glad to be on with you guys. I no, you have no idea because, well, I found you guys recently. You have the How to Money podcast. You do it with your podcast partner, Matt, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Matt okay. and I are best, best buddies. We live like six blocks away from each other. And we kind of decided, what do we, what do, we do every time we, we get together and hang out? And we said, well, we drink a beer and we talk about money things that matter to us. So we said, let's do a podcast about it. So we have a craft beer every episode. And we talk about money, uh, a different money topic that interests us that week. And, and so, yeah, it's a bunch of fun. We love it. All right. So we're kind of similar in the same sense that you're a beer guy. You, you guys are beer guys, right? Yeah, definitely beer nerds. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're kind of cocktail nerds. We're wine nerds and cocktails and that kind of no, thing. No, you're a cocktail nerd. I just drink the cocktails. Yes, correct. <laughs> so, yeah, I take, yeah, I make everything. Danielle just drinks it and she's happy with that. Hey, well, I'm not against a good cocktail, so I'll come over for one of those at some point. <laughs> Please, anytime. So I was hooked right away because, number one, we do the same thing. So we talk about what we're drinking every episode, just like you guys do. What are you drinking while we're talking here? Yeah, so I'm drinking a Bearded Iris IPA. Uh, it's, it's called Home, Home Style, and uh, they're a brewery out of Nashville, just up the road from us. So Nice. Well, I'm drinking a wine, so I'm being kind of simple tonight. There but, we go. But this is the wine that got me into wine. So it's uh, Sebastiani Sonoma Cab. It's like 15 bucks or something, and we've been Sebastiani fans forever. So Nice. I'm loving this wine right here. 
I love kind of too how uh, how a, a beer or a wine, something like that, it can kind of bring you back to to a, a different time in your life. It's taking you back right right now to the time when you first got into wine. Yeah, and beer can kind of do the same for me. It's like, oh yeah, that, I remember that brewery. I remember that experience. I remember that time with my friends. And so yeah, I just kind of love that effect that like a good drink can have. Yeah, it's like a smell. Like if you go somewhere and smell something, and you're like, that smells like when I was whatever. Like we just took our daughter to a sleepaway camp, and we walked into the bunks. And we're like, oh my God, this smell. Like, I, it reminds me of being at sleepaway camp. Like that kind yeah. of thing. Okay, so to get back to what we're here for, we're in no way a finance podcast, which is why we thought when I heard you guys for the first time, like you need to be on our show because you're down to earth, relatable guys who speak in plain English that the average person like dummies like me can understand. <laughs> and even Danielle can. <laughs> <laughs> That is yet to be determined. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll I, see had a, we... I had a piggy bank once. <laughs> if we can and I think you... I had it for two days before I broke into it. Oh, that's uh, awesome. All right. So yeah, if we can make it clear for you tonight, Danielle, then, then we're good to go. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> before we even get into anything, just tell us, I guess, quickly who you are, what you guys do, how to reach you, and who you are. Sure, yeah. Yeah, my name is Joel. And like I said, I partner with, with my buddy, Matt. We do the podcast together, How to Money. We've been doing it for about a year and a half. And um, I've been in the money media space for about 12, 13 years. And it's just something that I've grown to love. I just, I'm passionate about helping other people understand finances in a way that's accessible. I think there are a lot of people in, in the personal finance space who talk in, in jargon, big words, make it hard to understand. And sure. there's so many people that don't know how to handle their money at all. Who just, they, there's no personal finance education in high school in almost every state in the United States. Yeah, so we're just trying to essentially help people that have never had a good financial education. We're, we cover a different topic every episode and we just kind of want to not dumb it down, but make it easy and help people understand on a simple level how, how you can pay down your student loans more quickly, uh, how you can start saving for retirement in a way that seems accessible. So many people, first off, they don't have enough money to go see a financial advisor. It's prohibitively expensive. And so there there are a lot of people that we talk to who are like, well, I've got a couple extra hundred bucks a month. Well, that's not even going to get you in the door to talk to a financial advisor. And and, and even if it did, they would take most of the money that you have and it wouldn't be going towards investments. So there's a a lot of people like that. They listen to our show. And there are a lot of other people who, I mean, in, in my estimation, if you can mow your own lawn, you can start investing for retirement. It's it's much simpler than people think, it, but it's shrouded in secrecy because a lot of people stand to gain uh, on the in between from it being a difficult and secretive sort of thing to to start investing. So you feel like you have to go see someone who knows so much more than you, uh, when really in actuality it's so much. It, it it's not easy, but it is simple, and so that's what we try to clarify every every week on the show. And so yeah, you can. Like you asked where we, you could find it. You can find it anywhere you're listening to this podcast. You can find our show. And, and, and yeah, that's what we try to do every week. Okay. Once again, this is How To Money. So you that's can right. find their podcast anywhere you can download podcasts and all that stuff. And it's Joel and Matt. Let's, let's get into kind of the fun stuff of the episode here. Let's do it. Okay. So should we get into some of the questions, some of the polls or whatever else we were going to... Because we put out a bunch of questions to our listeners, Danielle, who is in charge of our marketing and 
talking to our why don't you explain exactly what well, you do because <laughs> I, I don't know i don't want to say it i don't want to yeah uh, you know our, our social media communities we have an awesome uh social media community especially on instagram we just now last week we hit a hundred thousand so we're a hundred thousand strong and um everybody is just super supportive of one another and really honest and i think it's what makes this podcast and just marriage and martinis so great is that people are so willing to be vulnerable and come forward and talk about things like finances with strangers, you know, and um, we delve into all kinds of stuff. And I think everyone is sort of at a place in the community where they feel comfortable enough that if they really don't know anything about their personal finances, which is sort of how I've been for the past, you know, 15 years, uh, they're comfortable enough to say, no, I know nothing and I want to know more, you know, as opposed to in some places where you kind of feel like you have to say, oh yeah, we share everything. I know, you know, I know what my husband makes and I know where all our investments are, and I know what our mortgage is. And I think at Marriage of Martinis, people can say, I don't know shit. <laughs> and I want to, you know? So, and there were plenty of people who did know a lot. And I think a lot of marriages now, a lot of, I guess, especially wives, are becoming a lot more involved. Uh, but there's still people like me who just never did get involved. So, um, so. So yeah, I put out a bunch of polls and um, you know, I thought it was interesting and we had thousands of people who responded uh, about uh, a little more than 50% of spouses said that they would not feel financially stable on their own. So mm -hmm. if they were to get divorced or you know something happened that they left their spouse, more than 50% said, I absolutely would not feel financially stable. Well, keep in mind also when you're reading these polls, we're what ninety two ish percent female based. Correct. So mm. keep that in mind when we're thinking about these on things. Instagram. Not, uh, not no no in no yes because yeah. but, but this, this was put out on Instagram right right. So most of these answers, most of these polls, they were all done thinking about the viewpoint of the woman in the relationship. Mm. Okay, B because that's kind but of. But there were plenty thought. of men who also did uh, it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. But. Um, you know, sixty percent okay, don't feel confident about their retirement savings. Almost seventy percent don't think they're doing a good job of saving for their kids' college. Sixty-five mm. percent said they are currently in debt, and thirty-five uh, percent say that they argue a lot in their marriage about finances. And sixty-five percent said that they and their spouse are on the same page with spending, which I actually thought was pretty high. That I thought that was pretty good. But so basically, finances are, it's a tricky subject in marriage. And I think for most of us, maybe a lot of us are on the same page, but I think there are a lot of us also who aren't. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, we know this, that money is the number one causer of tension in relationships and is often the number one cause of divorce, right? So Correct. It, is, it, is a, it is a place where we don't communicate well about it, where we feel a lot of shame. And I think especially inside of a couple, we're used to talking about so many things, but money feels like that one thing. It's, it's, there's a stigma attached. And, and, and like we mentioned earlier, it's, it's often because of a lack of education, a lack of understanding. We feel dumb and we don't want to open up. We don't feel like we can open up. We don't feel like we can talk about the mistakes we've made. And we often don't feel like our partner will understand, will, uh, or, or maybe even that they know anything either. 
that they can that they can help in regards to money. Like we're both drowning and it's not like the other partner can throw you a life preserver because you're both drowning at the same time when it comes to money. So I think that's definitely, it's a huge problem. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, so I, I can totally see those numbers make a lot of sense that there are a lot of struggles uh, and that there's a lot of difficulty in talking about it. I mean, just to share a quick personal story. I mean, my parents thought about money a lot when I was growing up and, and they actually um, filed for bankruptcy when I was 12. And so that's, that's, that was a huge market. That's like this indelible mark in my life. When I was incredibly young at this super impressionable age, I said, you know what, this, I, I can't live like that. I can't live in a way in which money becomes, comes between me and my partner. And then, uh, and then at the same time where it leads to all these other problems. So my parents, they, they made it through uh, that tough time in their marriage. But I mean, the, I can't, I just can't imagine going through times like that where the, the stressors of money can overwhelm and completely take down a marriage. And so, yeah, like anything we can do today, any questions we can answer to help people to, to kind of help get on the same page with their partner and to kind of figure out some strategies in order to save and invest and think about money a little bit more wisely. Um, that, that'd be awesome. I want to talk about banking, like checking accounts, how things are changing, how the traditional banks are they're not going away, but th there's other options. Let's put it that way. For us, Fidelity is our other option because it's a place that we can bank with no fees. I have zero ATM. If I go to somewhere and use their ATM, they reimburse me. No matter where I go, no matter how much the fee is, I don't care what the fee is because I'm reimbursed. You don't have to worry about, I need more checks because we... People still write checks, even though that's going away too. If I need more checks, I order more checks. They don't charge me for them. I'm protected against overdraft. They don't, I don't think they allow overdraft. So you can't draw more money out of your account than you have and then get a fee on top of that where traditional banks will do that to you. Where if you have only so much money left in your checking account and you go to the ATM and you take out more, they'll give it to you. And then charge you a fee on top of that. So there's no situation that I've encountered with Fidelity or other banks or online banks that do this that charge fees. You're not spending money to use your money, which I think is really incredible and really kind of groundbreaking because using these traditional banks, they kind of get you any way they can. That's what I love about this, this online banking almost revolution because it's happening, yeah, it's happening quick. If people haven't, signed up to do banking with an online bank, they should probably drop what they're doing and go do it now. I agree. Or do, or do, it, do it really soon because there, there are a few reasons for that. And one of them uh, is, is just a lack of customer service from the big banks. When you read the headlines in the New York Times or Wall Street Journal, whatever, wherever you read, look at, see what Wells Fargo has been up to. They've been on scandal after scandal after scandal, mm -hmm. just uh, signing up their customers for accounts that they didn't know that they were being signed up for. The big banks charge massive fees. You were just talking about Fidelity has no fees. And there are a lot of great online savings and checking accounts that have no fees ever. And, and so, yeah, I, I think people should stop banking with the big banks as quickly as possible. Oh, man, I love that you just said that. <laughs> as quickly <laughs> as humanly possible. Get out of there. Also, think about this. We had a listener write us the other day. And it's so true that the way they put it, they said, wait, I was with... Wait, can I well, stop you for a second? Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's from the episode that you just came out with. And I yeah. want to be the guy who says it, not you, because okay. I'm a fan. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong. So one of your listeners 
said they switched to Ally Bank because what savings interest rates are these days, it's nothing. But if you go yep. online to someone like Ally, this guy or couple or woman switched banks to Ally, they received more interest on their savings in one month than they could in 10 years. Was that you? Traditional bank. What? Is that right? Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw it in there. I wanted to be the one to say it, not you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so that that's awesome, man. Oh my gosh, that's so incredible. Listen, so, I'm your fan. I, I, <laughs> I listen. Well, I love it. I love it. And it's exactly true because when you look at the big banks, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Citi, Chase, all of them, they're paying 0.01% when it comes to your savings account rate. And there are online bank accounts. You mentioned Ally. I think Ally is great. I've been with Capital One and Discover and, and CIT, and CIT's currently got the best rate in the market, 2.45% on savings. And so it's just, it's just those little things. It's getting better customer service. You're getting a, a better payout, interest rate payout on your savings. And I mean, there's just no reason at this point in time to be with one of the big banks who's going to fee you to death and is going to pay you nothing on your money. Like you, you should be switching. It's really important just to take control in that one little way of your money uh, by, by switching banks. Can you explain real quick about somebody saved more in one month than in 10 years? Like, what does that mean? So people understand. Yeah. So the interest rate payout on your savings account, if it's 0.01%, let's say you have $10,000 in a savings account and, and the savings is, the, the interest rate is literally 0.01%. You're going to see uh, pennies of, of movement in your bank account balance over time because of that. But if you move to a, a savings account that pays a much higher rate of interest, you're going to see actual movement, actual dollar signs increasing right. uh, at, the, at the dollar level and tens of dollars, $20, $40. It's going to continue to grow. Uh, whereas if you're one of the big banks who doesn't pay anything, you're not going to make any money on it. So switching, making that one simple move is going to not only just increase the amount of money you're able to save because of a higher interest rate payout, uh, but at the same time, you're not doing business with a bank that just doesn't care about you either. Yeah. And an important thing is it doesn't cost you to move. You literally take no. the money from one account, move it to another. And three days later, it's in there, it's done, it's set up because it's just that easy. And the reason most people don't move is because they think it's hard. They think it's going to be hard to open up a new bank account or it's going to, but really it, if you can if you can send a Venmo to a friend and pay him 20 bucks, setting up a, a savings account, a new savings account with an online bank is actually pretty easy. And then transferring money back and forth. You don't even have to, if you want to take a baby step, open up the new account, transfer a, a large amount of your money over, but you can keep the other account open and you can transfer back and forth between the accounts. It's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. And so you have both accounts for a while until you've gotten used to having this new account and you find out pretty quickly, oh wait, the app interface is way better. Oh wait, uh, they're, they're paying me money on my money. Oh, wait, their customer service is better too. Uh, oh, wait, they don't charge any fees like yours, right? To take money out of an ATM. There are all these other benefits to, to a lot of online banks that the big banks just, just aren't offering. I've never had a reason to go to a bank personally. Yeah, business, yes. But for personal checking, why do I need a local branch? For what? Typically, it's, it's someone who does cash deposits. Uh, for sure, that's the biggest hindrance to going to an online bank. But again, I, that's why I would look for, if you are going to do business with one of the big banks, uh, that's, that would be the reason, is, is if you have cash deposits that you're bringing in every week, every two weeks, whatever it is. And, and then you can, but you can also have an online bank and you can transfer those assets into your online bank where you're getting a much higher interest rate payout. Mm -hmm. The one thing you're going to want to be careful of is, so for instance, I do have one banking account with a regional bank in our area. 
And if I maintain a minimum balance of $500 or higher, then I'm able to escape the, those really annoying monthly fees that are like mm -hmm. 10 or 15 bucks. And so just make sure you find out what the account minimum is for you to escape the fees. And you want to hit that because that's what will kill you over time is the monthly bank fees with the big banks. So just whatever you can do to avoid those, just do that. Okay. Why would somebody besides the cash deposit, because I don't think most people are personally depositing cash into a bank. So for a personal checking account, is there a really a need for a local branch? I don't think no. so. No, especially because a lot of these online banks, like you said, will send you checks in the mail. So you get your checks that way. Uh, there's great friendly customer service on the phone. If you feel like you need to talk to somebody, it's actually just so much more convenient than going in and talking to you know your local branch's bank teller. So I don't think there's really any reason, uh, except for potentially that cash deposits. I don't think that there's there's really any other reason. There's no financial service that I have needed that I wasn't able to get at online with my bank. I have a local credit union as well. And, and even that, I'm able to apply for a home loan online, do everything, send all the paperwork virtually through email. There's just no reason for me to go in, inside of the branch. I asked the community, I, I put out a question saying, you know, if you could ask, uh, you know, a finance person, what would you ask? And, they, and we got a ton of questions. I sent, I sent him. All, <laughs> all of them? All yeah. the oh my gosh. I noticed. It was, was insane. It I love the reaction. I yeah. loved it. Yes. I, I mean, I love people definitely have a ton of questions. I think people are feeling like, like, not, I don't want to generalize, but for me, I've been a stay-at-home mom. And I think part of the issue with that, which I'm trying to start to change, or we're trying to start to change, I think on some level, I sort of felt like, well, I'm not bringing in any income. So how I really shouldn't have that much say in the finances. I, in hindsight, realized that was a huge mistake. But at the time, you know, you, when you're not bringing in any money and someone just seems to be taking care of it, you sort of just go with the flow, at, you know, and, and don't get involved because you feel like you, you don't, you don't, you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it, which is bullshit. And I, I, yeah. you know, I wish it wasn't like that. But I think a lot of us stay at home moms or stay at home dads feel like that. And well, I also think that now here I am 41 years old. And I have a, a gazillion questions about how it all works. So let me say one thing. I mean, my wife, she's a, a she's a stay at home uh, wife as well as mom. She takes care of our two kids. We've got a third on the way. I mean, she is a rock star. Stay at home moms are they do so much. Like if their job was to be quantified out, it. I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't afford her. Can we, can we move past this topic? Because I don't want Danielle to know how much that's worth. <laughs> <laughs> so right. true. But, I, but then I think. I, I wish we could quantify it. I wish yeah. there was some way to just figure out what should we be paid. A CEO yeah. salary. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think there are two things, too, that prevent stay-at-home spouses from kind of getting into this. One, they're tired at the end of the day. They don't want to talk about money because they've wrangled the kids, they have done the laundry, whatever it is, right? Stock, stocked the fridge and made dinner. They're tired at the end of the day. I know my wife is from, from wrangling two young ones. So uh, I, I think that's definitely, that's definitely one reason. And then, like you said, I think they, they feel like the other spouse, the breadwinner, has it taken care of, is figuring it out. Um, and that maybe because they didn't contribute, they don't deserve to enter into the conversation. And that's not true because they're contributing in all these other ways. It's so important that the stay-at-home spouse not ask in a way 
that says, you have to tell me because I'm part of this, but says like, listen, we are a partnership. Like, you know, as in a marriage, you're in a partnership and you, I want my wife to ask questions about why we're doing certain things and to be a part of the budget. She is like such a help to me in this that I couldn't do it on my own. We each also possess different characteristics uh, about it. Like she can work a spreadsheet. I can't, I'm like a big picture idea person. And I'm like, I want to buy this rental property over here. Or I'm like, I think we need to save for this. And she kind of helps put the pen to paper and figure out how we're going to get there. So we're this team in that way where I truly like couldn't do it without her. I would, I would be not even half as good as I am when it comes to money, if it wasn't for my wife. And I think when you can enter in and do that together uh, and get past the difficulty that money can be as a topic as a couple, I I think it's actually going to grow you as a couple not only are your finances going to get better, but just the fact that you're starting to have these conversations and starting to make some movement because right now you feel like crap about it. And that's why you don't want to talk about it so much of the time. And if you can start to make movement together on this, on this area of personal finances in your life, you're going to be so pumped because you're working together in, in synergy. And at the same time, your finances are getting better. And you're like, man, why did, why haven't we been doing this all along? And I truly think that's the case. If we start to open up the dialogue that it makes a big difference when it comes to our marriage. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, we were both at fault for a long time because I think that I was on the one hand, like like you said, tired and everything and sort of like, all right, well, he'll just take care of it. And he, you know, it's, that's his quote unquote, you know, category or, you know, that's one of his specialties or- He takes and, out the trash and he pays the bills. Right, you know? right. It was very stereotypical. And then I think that he also would come at it at, in a way of- um not making me feel like a partnership, but making me feel more like, oh, you're just spending too much money. Mm. So he would always let me know about the negative, but there was no, well, here's what we need to do together to work on this. You know what I mean? So I think that from both, you need to come together and sort of be like, like you said, approach it from, we want to do this together, not from a standpoint of, all right, you're spending too much money. We need to figure out what to do. You know, I think all it's all also in the delivery. And I think that that needs to be from both parties as a stay at home mom. I should have sort of been like, I want to I want to know what's going on and I should have come to him. And on the other hand, he shouldn't have just come to me when I was spending too much money. It should have been. No, I want you to be involved. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I had to learn this the hard way too early on. It was for a long time, I didn't have to budget. I was so frugal. There was no need for me to write down a budget because I was just saving a huge portion of my income because I, I just, that was the way I was wired. That's the way I was bent. I saw, like I told you early on, I saw kind of how my parents handled money and I was like, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to spend any money. And so and I followed she hate it. that or she was fine with it? Well, she hated it because we, we could, we didn't have the same page to draw from. We weren't, we didn't have anything that we could. And, and I had that kind of reaction. You're spending too much. You're not doing it right. And that just caused a lot of bitterness. Yeah, that and doesn't go over well. Exactly. And so we, <laughs> had, we had to create a budget, not because necessarily we needed one or we were going to get into debt or, uh, or start making bad decisions. It was we had to create a budget so that we could get on the same page and so that we could function properly in a marriage when it came to talking about money. And so that, that was huge for us is to actually put it in writing. And we have to check into it once a month now. We, we have to because... We have to know where our money's going. Like, are we putting it where we say we want to put it? Are we prioritizing that summer vacation that's really important to us? Um, and 
or, or are we, you know, and where do we draw the lines? And then also in that budget too, we have line items for her money and for my money every month. And I think it's really important because then if no matter how I want to spend that money or how she wants to spend that money, we can't question each other on that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And so if you do that, your partner can't come back to you and say, well, why would you spend that much money on that? And you can say, well, you know what? I saved up three money's worth of my money to buy that fancy purse or to get that expensive haircut or to buy that sweet plaid shirt that I've been wanting, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just really helpful. It helps you know how much you have to spend and at the same time means there's no fights because it's my money. And, you know, that's, I think it's really important that we have kind of our own ability to, to spend in the way that we see fit within reason, right? Yeah, definitely. And so so you started talking about budget and I know there were a bunch of questions about budget and I hate the word budget. I hear that word. If Adam says, let's sit down and budget. Oh yeah. Like, no, I don't want, I don't want a budget. (laughs) Well, Danielle does not have the mind for this. She doesn't get budgeting and finance and all everything we're talking about. It's not her. That's not her. I'm one of those. I never learned. Okay. I never learned. So I was always in charge of finances, always in charge of budgeting, always in, which it's overwhelming. Which is hilarious also. Yeah, totally mm-hmm. hilarious. Completely hysterical. But, but we're both spenders. We've we've said this many times. We're both spenders. We, we, we buy things that we shouldn't. We've overspent. It hasn't worked. So we're still, we, we're married 16 years, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we're finally getting to a point where 16 years later, it's like, all right, let's get this shit under control. We need to finally understand where we're at. What can we afford? What can we not afford? It's a tough, especially 16 years later, after you're used to a situation like this, where once again, Danielle has no idea how to even comprehend what we're talking about. This is like a mess. It's a mess of mm. how do we get this back under control? Not back. Okay. How do we finally get it under control? I feel like you in a roundabout way just blamed me. Yeah. You're totally your okay. fault. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's your fault for I'm not. I'm not a marriage counselor, guys. I can't no. enter into this. <laughs> right. No, but this is good. Ready? Oh, shit. Wrong podcast. It's <laughs> fault for. Trusting you. No. Oh, <laughs> well, but you know what? Yes. You went there. It's Danielle's fault for saying, I'm taking a step back because I don't understand this. So you take care of it. Mm-mm. And it's my mm-hmm. fault for trying to take care of everything, even though I'm a spender. And I, I'll make ends meet somewhere else so I could buy a thing or enjoy myself over here because I want to spend money on something. So we're both kind of at fault here for not making this a mutual understanding. Yep. All right. So let me give you a couple of thoughts when it comes to the budget. Danielle, what you said when it comes to budgeting is the common refrain for sure. It's budgeting scares me. I don't want to sit down and do it. Why would I want to, to do a, like it's, it's just four letter word essentially for most people. And they avoid it like the plague because obviously it's going to be terrible. Uh, and to sit down and crunch numbers and fit the numbers that I know exceed my income back into there somehow to squeeze it I back. I just picture a wallet full of coupons. <laughs> okay. All right. I, to- I picture being one of those people who gets up to the checkout at Target and I'm just like, just one second. I know I have that coupon here somewhere. <laughs> You don't have to be a couponer. I promise we are not <laughs> couponers God. ourselves. Yeah, for sure. But the, 
the thing when it comes to a budget is I feel like if you can think about it in the opposite way, it's so helpful because a budget can actually help you achieve your greater goals. And the problem that happens in so many of our lives is because we don't have budgets, we end up treating ourselves to these small little things here and there. Uh, and, and you know what? We probably have shirts in our closet that still have the tags on them because we bought it on a whim because we thought it would make us feel better. And if you have a budget, it actually helps you. You can call out the most important goals that you have as a couple. It gives you this chance to sit down and, and say, what's really important to us? And like I said, like Emily and I getting on the same page about going on vacation. That's so helpful that she has that to look forward to all year longer, that we all have that to look forward to. And if we piddled it away on little things here and there, because we felt justified, we felt entitled, we felt like, you know what, I make some of this money too, or you know what, I take care of the kids all day. And so I have this ability to spend on all these things um, just on a whim because I want to. Well, that's, that's not helpful. And in the end, it's actually preventing you from achieving probably some of those bigger goals that you have. So I think laying out a budget is crucial in order to helping you as a couple, as a family, as a single individual even, put down your goals in writing and say, that's what I'm aiming for. And if you don't do that, if you don't have it in that form, it's, it's going to be nearly impossible for you to achieve those bigger financial goals, those bigger goals of spending your money in the ways that are most meaningful to you. So that's... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So I think a budget, if you can flip it on its head, it's not this way of trying to push all your money into these, into these defined uh, parameters. What it is, is it's helping you figure out how you can take the money that comes in to achieve those more important goals that you have. So yeah, I, I'm on a mission too, to make sure that people change the way they think and talk about budgets. So maybe what we need to do is sort of have an ultimate, maybe the, what, what we need to do is sit down and be like, okay, like you said, here's what you have to look forward to. You want to do this vacation or, you know, you wanted to get that car lease that was a little more expensive or whatever, that that's the ultimate goal. And in that you kind of work backwards. Yeah. And I think it's important too, and we can talk about this more is, is to pay yourself first, right? You want to be investing and saving for the future. You don't want all of your incoming to be outgoing every month, but you do want to, when it comes to a budget, you do want to be able to be on the same page about it and to be thoughtful about those larger goals because a budget is going to help you get there as opposed to kind of spinning your wheels and it just looks the same every month. You're not making any progress uh, towards savings or towards you know, big, bigger spending goals that you have. You're in Georgia, right? That's right. Okay. We're in New Jersey. Okay. So these fucking taxes, you could vacation oh. for three years on what we pay in one year in taxes. That pisses me the fuck off. It really does. Um, that I have no point about As this. As it should. I'm just mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> no point. I'm just so mad about taxes here. The, the only solution is to move, I think, on that. You know, there's, <laughs> not, there's not much. All right. Oh, we'll see you in Georgia. I'll be loving yeah, yeah. love. <laughs> so for the first time recently, well, very recently, like a couple days ago, I 
started keeping track of and knowing about our personal finances. Do you even know what personal finances means? It means that you take a hammer to a piggy bank and you <laughs> exactly. get the change out. No, I knew that it was time. I needed to do this. We've been talking about finances for a while. We spoke about some fights we've had about it. And I knew it was time. I actually searched for something to help me because I was so overwhelmed and so scared and I didn't feel confident enough to sit down just with you because I thought it would turn into a fight. I'm sure it would have. So I researched an app on my own. Wow, it's impressive. And I wanted an app that was for couples. This is for real. I did the research. I found the app. I, I came to them. Well, there's plenty of apps out there that are great, that are personal finance and keep your own budget. But this one yep. is meant for couples. It's for couples. It's for you to understand with each other about your personal well, finances. Well, you'll never understand each other, <laughs> but hopefully you'll get a handle on your finances. So it's askzeta.com. Ask zeta.com slash mm. And you know what's awesome about it? It's free. So we don't have to put that into our budget. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> but it is really cool. It's so easy. You put in all of your, what are they called? Well, what you can do is link your personal accounts into the app. So you, you use your bank sign-in information. It's completely secure, completely safe. It said they have bank-level security. Absolutely. Yeah. So all you need is your login information to your bank or investment companies or wherever any other financial companies you want to track. You plug that right into the app. It downloads all the information for you. It starts categorizing all your information for you. In just 10 minutes. In just 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, uh, you could also leave memos for each other. You can have separate logins, but share each other's information and leave each other little cute memos about your finances so that you yeah, can see each other. Yeah, okay. It'd only be <laughs> cute as, guess what I bought you today? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you guys can set long-term goals together, like saving for college or any big expenses you have coming up in the future. There's just so much this thing can do and it allows you to share the finances with each other. Yeah. So you both have an understanding about and it. And I am. I'm feeling so much more confident about this now. I mean, for real. I, I A few days ago, even if you had asked me, I was all over the place. Now I at least feel like it's doable. Huh? So askzeta, Z-E-T-A dot com slash M-M. For free, there is no reason. Go over there now. Let's all get it together, people. So we've spoken about care of before, right? And I really, I have to say, I love everything about this company. I loved the quiz. <laughs> it was super fun taking the quiz and figuring out exactly which vitamins would be right for us. And I love the little packages that they come in. They're so and cute. And your name's on it. And my name's well, on it. Too. But I also love that I feel like I'm putting into my body stuff that is for my body and not just a one size fits all. With the quiz, you find out what you need, what your particular needs are, and that's what they send you and that's what you're taking. I like that. And I also, my favorite part, I think, is that every portion, a portion of every sale goes towards the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. And for me, if I can do something and it's taking care of myself, but then I'm also doing something kind of charitable and helping other people with their needs as well, that's awesome. I, I, oh, there's also vegan and vegetarian supplement options. I mean, it's a great... Oh, that's cool. I didn't yes, even know that was there. Yes, it's a great company it really is i'm sort of upset that i didn't think of it but uh, i can't wait for my next box because i've been taking them and i like them yeah no it's great so uh i just think that everybody should go check out takecareof.com and at checkout you need to put in 
code MNM50 for 50% off. So far, we've both been doing it. We love it. And I'm excited about it. So go check it out and see what it's all about. Takecareof.com, promo code MNM50 at checkout. For a stay-at-home mom and everything, what can you do so that you don't feel like however 50-something percent of the people who said, no, I would not feel financially stable, while, while not seeming like you're keeping secrets from your spouse and everything. Is mm-hmm. there something to do? Because I do know that's a big problem for a lot of stay-at-home parents or just a lot of parents, you know, a lot of people in general who don't make nearly as much as their spouse. That's, you know, not that, not that that's the reason why they're going to stay in a marriage, but if that's a deciding factor or if it just keeps you feeling trapped, you know, that even if you are happy in your marriage and everything, you always have this thing hanging over you of, Oh well, I, I could I couldn't leave even if I wanted to. Um, what what can somebody do to sort of feel like they have a little bit at least of a safe landing, if God forbid something were to happen? So if you're married and you're like I didn't make any money. So if we're married and I left, how could you survive? I couldn't. Right. That's, so what that's I'm saying. a question. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So that's definitely a difficult one. Um, I think one thing is it can be tempting to to put money in a secret account for, for a spouse to do that. And I think that can actually erode trust in a relationship over time. Mm-hmm. So I think you should definitely be careful before you open up some sort of separate account that you hide from your spouse. Because if it does get found out, that can lead to, to bigger issues. Absolutely. So think, yeah, so I think like we were talking about, um, and, that, and that can lead to legal issues too in the case of a divorce. If you do have um, a separate account hanging out somewhere, that can, that can yeah, present you with bigger problems in, in court. Um, and so I think like we were saying, opening up the, the flow of conversation, having those chats with your spouse uh, about money and making sure you're getting on the same page is really important. It's better than trying to go behind your spouse's back, mm-hmm. uh, if, if at all possible. Second, I think it's important too that when it comes to saving in retirement accounts, that you open up a, an, an IRA in your, in your wife's name if you're the husband and if you're a wife, you need to advocate for that on your behalf. Because, uh, because if you do split, it is so much better to have equal contributions to a retirement account in the husband's name and the wife's name, um, as opposed to having putting it all in the in the husband's name, um, and and that just kind of that just that lessens the potential issues when it comes. So that's to a question that separation. should come up if it hasn't. Is uh, it, do I have an IRA in my own name? Yeah, are we are we saving? Have. Exactly. Are we saving just in your retirement accounts or, are we, or do we have one open for me as well? Um, and I think it's important to try to, to try to have an account open for yourself as a female too, in a, if you're, especially if you're the stay, stay at home. Um, it's not a bad I- idea to be a part of the finances, right? To, to be involved in those conversations, to know what the budget is, to know where the funds are going. That helps a lot. Um, it's very difficult if you don't have any income and something were to happen. If you're worried about your spouse dying, uh, at some point and being left destitute or not knowing how the money works. I think it's really important to have life insurance to, to, and in particular term life insurance to cover, uh, to cover your needs in case of the death of a spouse. So that's important for both sides of the equation. And there was actually a question on your forums too. Does a stay at home wife uh, on the Instagram questions? Uh, one of the questions was, does a stay at home mom or wife need life insurance as well? And the answer is yes, because they're, the husband would be um, 
would be obviously devastated in the in the loss of their wife, but then they would also need uh, they would need that money, that income to to pay for potentially extra childcare, extra schooling, whatever it might be for their kids. So yeah, life insurance is an important part of that equation as well. What percentage of your paycheck should you save for retirement? Mm, that's a difficult one. And that is not necessarily a, a one size fits all. So much of how much you should be saving for your retirement depend, depends on your goals, uh, depends on how much you like your job, <laughs> depends on kind of when you think you're going to retire. There is, you know, most people on average throughout their working lifetime save about 4% of their paycheck uh, and put it towards retirement. And that is just the average, right? So some people are completely doing zero and do zero for their whole lives. And some people are doing 20, 25%. They're, they're kind of getting after it. Um, I think the more the merrier. I think retirement is the only thing. First off, you're talking about compounding interest, which is huge. The more money you put in, it grows as it grows in the stock market. That money grows on itself. And that's the magic of compounding interest. So the more you're able to put away earlier on, the more it's going to be able to work for you throughout the years. Um, so it's important to, to take advantage of saving for retirement as early as you possibly can. And a really important thing too, is if you have a match through your employer's 401k, you don't want to miss out on that. So let's say a, usually an employer will offer, let's say, uh, 3% of your paycheck. If you'll put in 6% of your paycheck into a retirement account, that's free money. And you're not going to do any better than a 50% return on your money in any financial uh, in any above board financial situation. So you're going to want to make sure you get the 401k match uh, from your employer. And if that's all you do, that's a good start at least. And then you should challenge yourself to increase those contributions by let's say 1% every six months or 1% every year if that feels tough. Every time you get a raise, consider putting half of that raise towards your work retirement accounts. That's kind of a good way to, to do it. So get in the game, jump in if you're not and try to get that employer match. Uh, if you have access to one. And if you don't, just get started in some way, form, or fashion, whether it's a percentage of your paycheck through your works, 401k, 403b, whatever it is, or whether it's through a personal IRA and you have them withdraw 50 or 100 bucks a month you know, out of your checking or savings account. Um, that's going to be kind of a good way to get started and then just attempt to increase it every time you get a raise or every time uh, the year turns. So when we go into 2020, you up it by 1% or buy 25 bucks a month, whatever it is. Just make sure that you get started and then keep going uh, and raising it as often as possible. Okay, somebody like me, I'm, I'm in a family business, right? So I don't have a 401k, I'm not matched with any kind of thing. So my only option is the Roth IRA. So anybody who does not know what that is, do you wanna explain that real quick? If you're anybody who's self-employed or has their own business? So an IRA is an individual retirement account. There are two different kinds. There's a post-tax and a pre-tax. And so the Roth is my favorite, uh, but you have to be under a certain income level uh, in order to be able to contribute money to a Roth. But the great thing about a Roth is that you pay tax on that money now, but you never pay tax on the earnings that that money gets, and you never pay tax when you're withdrawing that money in retirement. So, uh, and also it can also act kind of like a little bit of an emergency fund if you need it to. I don't recommend that, but it can be in case you need to withdraw some of your contributions you can withdraw your Roth contributions tax and penalty free. So it's kind of just like taking it out of a checking or savings account, um, even though I don't think it's a good idea. I think you should leave it in there as long as possible to grow for as long as possible. But yeah, the Roth has major benefits, especially in today's kind of low tax environment. You know, most economists assume that we're going to be paying higher rates of taxes one of these days. And so uh, 
yeah, saving as much as you can in a low tax environment, paying the tax on that money now is kind of a good way to go. And so that's why the Roth is just such a great vehicle. If you have a Roth IRA, let's say you're in a situation, your house just becomes overwhelming financially and you want to stay. Should you take money out of your Roth, refinance your mortgage to lower your monthly payments? I would say that's not a very good idea because usually taking money out of a retirement account is almost never a good idea. The only reason I want people to take money out of a retirement account, and even if they did, only out of a Roth because of the, the fact that you've already paid the tax on that. When you're talking about a 401k, when you're talking about a traditional IRA, you're going to pay massive taxes and sure. penalties on top of that. So never, ever, ever just want to make sure everyone understands that. Don't take money out of a 401k. If you leave your job and your employer says that you can move the 401k or you can cash it out, so many people cash out their 401ks and they don't realize until tax time that they just got crushed yeah. when it came to, to the taxes and the penalties on their withdrawal of, of those funds. So I would just stress to people, be incredibly careful before you take money out of a retirement account and don't do it <laughs> really more okay. than anything. So in uh, a Roth in particular, I mean, I think you could take a small portion out uh, if it was going to get you, if it was going to allow you to get rid of, let's say, PMI on on a house. You're paying private mortgage insurance and that mm -hmm. costs you $150 a month and $5,000 would help you eliminate that. Um, well, that's you're going to save yourself over $1,500 a year then just by doing that. So maybe in that case, it's worth it. Uh, but for, for most people in most situations, it's not a good idea to take money out of retirement accounts pretty much at any time. Another question is, how do you save when you live paycheck to paycheck? Which mm. a lot of people are doing these days. I mean, it's you're hearing that more and more. So how, how can you save? Yeah. So we actually have an episode coming up on this really soon. And I'm excited to release that one because we're getting a lot of emails. That's just completely common at, at this point in time. And it's not just for low income earners. People are living to paycheck. People are living paycheck to paycheck, uh, making $100,000 a year or, or more. And so it is not just an earnings problem. It is a spending problem. And so how do you get out of living paycheck to paycheck? Well, the first thing you have to do is, is to track your spending. Uh, I think so many people, if you, you, you got to look the problem dead in the face and you got to be able to see where your money's going. Yeah, so I use an app to, to track all my accounts in one place and I can see it all. And so then I can thumb through and I can see exactly where my money went uh, last month, last week, and yesterday. And so you can just do an old school Excel spreadsheet. You can write down everything you spend in a notebook, just pen and paper, however you do it you have to be tracking your spending. If you're not tracking your spending, there's just no way you're going to be able to take control of your finances. So if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that's step one. Then you need to set some goals like, what do I want? And probably what you want initially is a little bit of breathing room. You want a little bit of an emergency fund. That first goal is probably going to be to save 500 or $1,000 in an emergency fund. And once you get there, then you can settle on the goal of tackling that credit card debt, right? If, if you, you're probably in some sort of credit card debt at the same time, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're just going to want to prioritize prioritize debt payoff. And there's so many different strategies for doing that. I personally like paying off the, the debt that has the highest interest rate, um, but people have all sorts of different ways of doing it. That's my favorite way of doing it. Um, I think too, it's really important to look at your monthly bills and to see what you can cut. Uh, there are we're just used to paying for cable. Maybe that's $200 a month. You're just used to paying for internet and you haven't even shopped your internet service and you're probably paying $75 a month. There are all these services that you can, if you can't cut it, you can at least shop it. Your cell phone bill, 
you know what, you might be able to get cell phone service for free for a whole year from Sprint. You know what? And you're like, well, I like Verizon. They're great. But you probably pay $150 for two lines. And you know what? That's over $1,500 you can save this coming year if you switch to Sprint's free service uh, for a year. And so that's kind of an offer that they've had on the table. There, if you don't want to go with Sprint, there are other super low cost options like Republic Wireless or Google's Google Fi. Uh, and so there are all these ways that you can cut recurring monthly bills. And I think like what Danielle said earlier, it's not about couponing. It's not about putting all these coupons in, taking them to the grocery store and saving 25 cents on a loaf of bread. What it is, it's about changing the recurring monthly bills, those recurring costs and cutting those down as much as possible. And, and just, you have to be able to uh, at least have written down or started tracking your spending in, in order to kind of get the ball rolling on that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. We're cord cutters. So I'm done with cable. I think it's been about a year now and I pay my local cable company for internet only. We have no home phone, so we don't have the triple play get me gotcha kind of thing that they offer now. So I pay my cable company for internet only and that's 75 bucks a month, whatever it is, something like that. So I go with YouTube TV and that's 40 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have our cell phones. We don't need a home phone. So instead of paying $300 a month to my cable company for phone, internet, and cable, I'm spending $150. So I I halved our bills because there's other ways. It's it's what's so great about what's happening now with technology where you don't need a phone at home. You don't need cable TV. And you don't need all those extra programs that you're never going to watch and all those extra channels. You're you're not paying for those things. Completely. And and one more note for people living paycheck to paycheck. Um, I think it's important to to mention, oftentimes it can be uh, easiest thing to to jump into a a check cashing place to get a title loan, um, to, to get a payday loan. There are all sorts of options out there for easy, quick money but those things perpetuate a cycle and they make it worse. They make it so much worse. So yeah, avoiding high interest rate lenders, predatory lenders, that's really important. And use a resource. If you're in really bad debt, if you don't see any way out, if you, your debt is, is just, if it's becoming cataclysmic and it's, uh, it's more than your annual income and it just continues to increase and you can't see any way out, you need to find a local chapter of your NFCC. That's the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. And you can find that at nfcc.org. And they have free uh, debt counseling programs that you can get into. And those people can help you come up with a debt management plan. And also, they are the only people who I would trust to help me negotiate terms with a lender. They have the ability, there are all these people on radio ads, whatever that will say, we'll negotiate with your lenders and lower your interest rates. Right. But they want upfront, uh, upfront money <laughs> and, and the NFCC, they, they don't. And you know what? You can trust the NFCC and you can't trust the guys uh, that are running the ads. So it's really important That's to go straight thing. to them. Yeah. And get, get on a debt management plan and they might actually even be able to work out more favorable terms with your lenders to give you some breathing room right away too. I recently listened to your recent episode about investing, right? That was just like a week ago. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I need to thank you and throw you out a little bit of, uh, well, I guess a thank you, because after hearing that episode, I'm a Fidelity guy. We've been with Fidelity for, I don't know, 20 years now. We bank with them. We invest with them. We have our retirement account with them. We do everything with them. And I, I'm a bit of a finance nerd too. 
because of you, I bought the Fidelity Rocks Fund. Yes, no <laughs> fees. Yes. That's the other thing too, right? That it, it costs so much money sometimes to invest if you pick the wrong funds. And Fidelity has these new zero fee funds. And that one of the ones that you're in that you're talking about right now is one that they just brought, it, brought into existence just five or six months ago. And literally zero fees to the investors. It's awesome. It's a first. Yeah, I knew nothing about it. And I literally went on Fidelity right after listening to your episode and sold a b bunch of funds that we had. And I bought into the Rocks funds and I'm, I'm happy. Like That's kind of yes. cool. Like, to think about there's zero expense ratio about that. Do you want to like just quickly explain what that means? Yeah, there, I mean, there are all sorts of expenses that can come into existence when you're investing. And in particular, if you're working with a specific financial advisor, they have different ways of getting paid, some more upfront, some less upfront. Some of the fees that you're paying when it comes to investing, you might not even know about. There could be a load or a commission charge that you don't see, but it's on the back end and it's taken out of your initial, uh, the initial amount that you have placed with them to invest. So that's the difficulty there. And that's why uh, Matt and I are fans of kind of the do-it-yourself investing approach. Mm -hmm. the, 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 when you're with a low-cost uh, brokerage house, like Vanguard, like Fidelity, um, those those companies are going to be upfront about their fees. And like we just mentioned, you know, some of them, uh, Fidelity has some brand new zero zero expense ratio fees. So that means they're offering it to you. Even you know, they have to hire people to put these funds together, to maintain the funds, to rebalance the funds, and you're you're still getting you're getting in at zero expense. And Vanguard has one that I've been I've been invested in for over a decade that has an expense ratio of 0.04. And just right. to, just almost nothing. Know. Yeah, almost nothing. Exactly. Yeah. The average expense for for uh, uh, that you're gonna that you're gonna pay when you're investing is is essentially one percent, and that's a big deal. It, and people think that that doesn't sound like that much, but when you look at your returns over time, even just that one percent expense ratio can be a massive hindrance, a massive drag on your returns because of the way compounding interest works. And so, if you get from one percent in expenses down to something like 0.04 or free, it's, it's going to be, uh, by the time you extrapolate 30 or 40 years of that, those investments uh, working for you, it's going to make a big difference. Sure. So the big point, the big takeaway of this thing here is you can buy this mutual fund from Fidelity for free, for yep. literally for free and pay them nothing. Okay. So if you think you're buying mutual funds and you're just investing into it and okay, I'm watching it rise you know, over time, it's kind of hidden that you're actually paying them to hold that fund. All right, just for the money part of it, just for the finance part of it. Most people can't afford college anymore, okay? Yes, when Danielle went to school 20 years ago, not that it was affordable, it was more affordable. So college has increased, what, two and a half times in the last 20 years? I'm not sure what the exact amount is, but I feel like my personal opinion, this is not researched, I didn't look this up, the rate of return on college is lessening every year. What you put into college, you get less back every year. And so it's, it's at the point now where the average person can't afford college, so who pays for it? So either the parents are in debt for the rest of their lives or the kids are in debt for the rest of their lives. Is college that important that that's so necessary that you're in debt for the rest of your life, whether you're the parent or the child? What you get out of college, are you really getting the jobs that are beneficial to, uh, I don't, I don't want to get political either because we're in, in no way political 
at our podcast. All right, let's see if I can pull a Solomon and split the baby on this one a little right, bit. Please, can we do please. that? Okay. All right. So I, I think to a certain extent, uh, I I don't think college is a waste of time for for a few reasons uh, for kids. I do think if your kid shows more aptitude towards something in a skilled trade, I think you should totally encourage that. And I think not accruing debt and going into taking an apprenticeship and going into some sort of skilled trade uh, profession is going to be massively beneficial for that child um, if they have an aptitude for it. And there is a real skills gap in our country and encouraging your kids along that pathway, if it's something they naturally gravitate towards, is, is a great way to go. When it comes to uh, going to college, I think kids and parents should have a frank conversation about a couple of things. One, does our state offer any sort of benefits if you have a certain grade point average or if you stay in state and go to a community college? There have been more, more and more states making college more accessible for kids. And so I think, yeah, if you live in a state that has a good offering, for instance, Tennessee or Georgia, uh, offering different, different massively beneficial scholarships to kids that do well, uh, and then I think that you should strongly consider staying in state. And you should have a frank conversation with your children about how much college actually costs because they need to know the problem is that we offer kids that are 18 unlimited sums of money, essentially, to uh, as a debt burden that they'll carry the rest of their lives when they're not smart enough or wise enough to make a good choice. And that's what I hate that's happening to kids. And, and you know what? It's getting worse because parents are taking out the load when the kids can't borrow anymore. They're strapping their financial future, uh, taking on parent plus loans for kids. And so it, it's just become this enormous mess. Um, so I think if you can encourage your kid to go to a community college, at least for the first two years, that's crucial to keep the cost of college down. When it comes to saving for college as a parent, you can obviously, if you're going to save, you need to save in a 529 plan. Your state's offered 529 plan. And there, uh, there are some great lists out there that tell you which ones are the best. Um, but as for me, I actually kind of do side with you to a certain degree, Adam, on this. I don't personally save for my kids uh, for their college in a 529 account, even though if they follow the course of you know, our family, my, my parents, in all likelihood, they're going to go to college. And that's because I prioritize uh, my own retirement accounts. Uh, it's been said there are no scholarships for retirement, right? You can't go back and undo that. And so if you're not maxing out a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, if you're not putting a good sum into your employer's offered uh, retirement savings account, and you're instead prioritizing your kid's college savings, uh, savings fund, like in a 529, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your kids a disservice because you know what? You might have really helped lessen the burden of college, but then when you get into old age, guess who's going to be taking care of you? Guess who's going to feel that burden because you didn't save for retirement for yourself. And so I think that's a great point. Yeah. If you have enough money, if you have enough discretionary money to do both, by all means, I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to save and pay for your kids college and 529 accounts are definitely the way to do that. Um, And maybe at some point I'll be there. Maybe at some point I will have enough money where I can do both and feel feel, uh, feel that I can do both well, but, but right now I'm just not there. And I know there are a lot of people that, uh, that feel that burden that they have to, it, to be a good parent in today's society, you have to do that or, or you're, or you're just not living up to the expectations, um, mm-hmm. of, of kids and of neighbors. And it's like, Oh, that's, that's what everyone does. Right. So I, I have to do it. And, and right. most people are saving in their kids college 529 account, but they're not saving for their well for their own retirement, at least. And, and that's not a good place to be for, like I said, for yourself or for your kids. Our latest episode that just dropped was cutting the cost of college. I think there are so many ways that are untapped 
for people to lower the cost of college. Like I said, community college for the first two years. There are ample scholarships out there that most kids just don't even think about applying for, especially if you're a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, you've got the summer off before you go off to college, you should be applying for copious amounts of scholarship, scholarships on websites like FastWeb and, and Chegg and stuff like that. And so we've got links in our, in our show notes for that episode. You should be doing that. You should be an RA. In RA. Uh, you can get your housing paid for. Uh, you, can, you can also get a stipend, a monthly stipend for being an RA. You can get on-campus work. You can take increased amount of credit hours. You can take AP classes in high school that lessen the amount of hours that you're going to take overall when it comes to college. There's so many ways to cut the cost of college uh, that by staying in state, staying local, you know, community college, there's all those things lined up for you. I don't think it's one or the other. I think if you're talking Ivy League or no college, I mean, then there's a really big dichotomy there, right? Um, and, and plus, it's just hard to get into those schools unless you're a celebrity and wants to pay $500,000 to get your kid in, in that college, right? Aunt Becky. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Shout out to Aunt, Aunt Becky. But, um, some of the money that I would put in a 529 account for my kids, what I try to do with maybe a little bit extra money, maybe $75 a month, something like that, that I would consider putting into a 529 account I try to do a museum membership and I try to do enriching experiences for my kids now. Uh, I think learning how to learn, yeah, teaching. Yeah. I love this guy. Yeah. <laughs> we keep banking for the future on like a 529 account. But what we're not doing is, is essentially saving or is taking our kids and teaching them now. And yeah, so we have a few local memberships that we just, we use, we get our money's worth out of them, right? We, we totally do it. We do it all the way. And any way that you can spend money on enriching experiences for your kids now, whether it's a trip, whether it's you know going to more museums, whatever it is, exploring your own local town and, and just amping that up, I, I would rather put my money towards that for my kids than more into a 529 account to you know, take, take a little less in the, the cost of college by just a little bit. All right. Should we like cut it out for now and then maybe... Yeah, I Go think we could more. do. Yeah, we'll do another. I would love to do so another. I know there's so questions. much. I know there's. I know so you much. guys. There were so many questions. I was yes, like, this ah, is awesome. <laughs> I know, and and I, I feel like they're they're all you know it's so hard to pick because they're so equal, all equally important and everything. And we definitely would yeah. love to do another do like part two episode. With, yeah, like, for sure. The rest of the questions. What do you think? That'd be great. Yeah, That'd it's be great. Yeah, too long. I think. Yeah, next time we just rapid fire. Rapid yeah. fire some questions and, um, yeah, and get, to, get to as many as we can. That'd be awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you okay. so much. I mean, I definitely feel like in terms of the terminology and everything and about, you know, getting things in perspective, I think it was really good because I feel a little bit more maybe like it's manageable. Like maybe I can sit yeah. down with Adam and sort of figure it out. I think the app idea, I, I, and I, I'm not just saying this, I really think the app idea would be, is really important for us to have a space. I think right now it feels like this amorphous thing that's just all mm -hmm. over the place. And I have no idea, like, you know, he'll say to me, like, you got to stop spending so much. And I'll be like, well, okay, but where, uh, where do I cut back? Cause what do I um, tell the kids not, they can't do activities or, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, they can't go to the movies this weekend with their friends. What am I cutting back? But at least if there's a central place to come together and put it all in one area and make it seem tangible and manageable, that's really, that will help me a lot. Yeah. And there's so many of those things that it actually becomes like a joy to start cutting out some of those expenses and finding ways to negotiate some of the regular monthly expenses that you have, because you realize that every time you're able to cut back in some of those areas, 
you're able to funnel that money into something way more meaningful. And that's, that's awesome, man. That's what, that's what I think a budget can be at, at its best. And, but that's not how we think of it. That's not how we think of it. We think of it as like, yeah, we got to pigeonhole all this stuff into a finite, you know, onto these lines in an Excel spreadsheet. And it just takes all the fun out of it. And it's like, man, it can be fun. Budgeting can actually be a benefit to your marriage and a benefit to you as a, as a couple. Like it's a, it can be a beautiful thing. Down with some wine and ice cream. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Wine and ice cream. Yeah. That's, that's what it'll take to have me do it. uh, wine flavored ice cream. What do you think? Perfect. They make that? Is there a coupon for that? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. You're awesome. I th- and I uh, am going to listen to your podcast by myself without Adam. Oh, now. No, you're oh not, yes, I am. Because I have to explain it to you. <laughs> no, I don't think you need to. I understood what he was talking so, well, about. Yeah, he can talk to someone like you and make it relatable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is wow. something. So that, now you can listen. Now, now you can listen, Danielle, without listen. Adam. For sure. Oh, I'm definitely going to listen. All right. We have a lot more to cover. We have yeah, to this absolutely. Soon, sure. Right. I'd love to. Okay. Thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Thank you. We love talking to you. All right. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, y'all. It was great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. it. And we'll, we'll have all his information on our website and everything, too. And uh, we'll link to you and your, you know, make sure that they can get access to your podcast. Thank you so much. I look forward to coming back on your show again in the very near future. Awesome. It, has to, it has to be soon because there's so much more. So because, thanks so much. Because we're going to have to file for bankruptcy. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take it easy, Thank buddy. You. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com